2: That moment, I'll never, ever forget.
0: We were basically sat in a square. We sort of sat down, and i never forget, both saying, OK,
3: right, listen. He stood up. This is what we live for. The party is over now. We're going to be good. It was that light bulb moment. Tomorrow, it's the ashes. This is table-thumping stuff. We've got to beat these Australians. Let's show them. Follow me. Look, lads, it's very, very straightforward. <laughs> you know, we've got to come out
4: flying. We cannot give this game away. And that's basically the gist of
5: everything that was said. So go to bed tonight, wake up in the morning and be ready for a fight and sat down.
6: It's the morning after Ian Botham's speech, his famous speech, calling time on the parties, the palavas, the crashes, the carnage, otherwise known as preparation for the ashes. For some, like me, it's just the morning after, it's all a bit hazy. Look, I'm Mark Pugac. I think that last night I was in some weird bar in Sydney. I'm 18. I'm on my gap year. I can get pissed and watch cricket. That's how it goes. But over in Brisbane, hungover on the first day of the Test match? Philip De Freitas? Really? I had
2: both and Lamy. I was sat between them. And obviously I was named as playing. And I remember saying, oh, I'm really nervous. And I think one of them passed me something and said, drink that, you'll be all right and uh, <laughs> I can say to you, I woke up in
6: the morning with a slight headache. <laughs> it's okay, Daffy. It's only the morning of your England debut. Nothing to worry about. You've got help.
2: Watching cricket and growing up, bothams Gowers, Lambs, you know, all these guys were guys I worshipped. They were my heroes, basically, especially Ian botham And I met Ian botham in that summer I you know, sort of got introduced to Ian But we, the only time I played against him we played a one day game at Grace Road Somerset versus Leicester and so I got introduced to Ian Bowe and I was just in, in awe of Ian you know sort of wow and then suddenly I'm thinking wow I'm, I'm on tour yeah so I would say I was very nervous very nervous
4: indeed yeah Phil DeFreitas had taken Daffy under my wing a bit on that tour. And um, we ended up actually having a very good partnership uh, with the bat. But that, that, I enjoyed that, I think, that responsibility. that like, sort of like the old mother hen. I got on really well with Daffy, always have done and still do. Roomed with him. You no, know, he's a great lad and he wanted to learn. He had that enthusiasm. And uh, that's the kind of thing that we needed in that series because we were the underdogs. And I, I can't emphasize it enough. It was the happiest tour I've ever been on.
6: Quite a statement from Lord Botham. Lover of bat, lover of ball, fine wine, freshwater fishing, and most of all, the Ashes.
3: ashes. 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 Ian Botham and the Ashes are linked inextricably. The only reason he would ever miss a game, especially against Australia, would have been missing a limb or something like that. So yeah, Ian's always gonna be part of the Ashes. Ian lived and breathed the Ashes. You can see it's like sort of light being switched on in the eyes, or, you know, it's a lot of very powerful batteries being switched on all at the same time. Ian came alive every time there was an Australian in opposition. But the prospect of the ashes to Ian is the best thing in life. That's David Gower, he should know.
6: They'd won the urn together in 79, 81 and 85.
4: Australia is the old enemy and the history what it means to an Australian player and what it means to an English player to play in a national series. Don't forget, you get all the, the stick from the Australians as well. Now, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about when you land at Customs and you come through the play. Yeah, oh, good day, mate. Let's open that case up. Yeah, right. Let's have a look. And then you get on the coach. All right, boys, yeah, good. You won't be here for very long, will you? And you you, you cop it and then you go to a restaurant and you cop it there. And so you need to be together and you need to do things together, and which is what, what happened
6: which is all very well. But this year, 1986, had seen a big, beefy problem. In May, Botham was suspended by the and County Cricket Board for recreational drug use. The story had plagued the authorities since the winter in the Caribbean. The ban was for 63 days, ruling out their superstar player until the final test of the summer.
4: Well, first and foremost, I thought I should have been playing in the test before, because after I'd served my time, <laughs> um, quite ludicrous really, but still anyway, that's that was the, what, the way it was in those days. Did the time um, and then I smashed 100 for Somerset on my day back. Um, I was in fine form, uh, playing well, hungry. You'd think the way that they picked the side, I must've been away for two and a half years, not uh, four weeks so really quite stupid that I had to go and prove that I could still play, but then that was the way it was in those days.
6: Finally, back in the team for the oval test with New Zealand, Beefy prepared for his first delivery, cheered on by a walker's home crowd.
4: Well, I came in, Bruce Ecker was there, he was, I was determined not to bowl my usual loosener, the long up that gets clattered somewhere, so I did stretched a bit more than usual. I'm always wary about trying to bowl a uh, flat out first ball up, and he sort of felt for it outside the stump. And then Gucci did his utmost to try and drop it. <laughs> I was more interested in looking at where the selectors were and just reminding them that I could still bowl and it take me one ball. I was a bit miffed, shall we say, with <laughs> the selection process, but I made my I'd made my point on the field.
6: The match eventually fizzled out in the pouring London rain, handing the series to New Zealand. But I.T. Botham was back, on the plane, and off to the ashes. Ian Botham wakes in Brisbane, in the same room as Philip De Freitas. All rounders together, one with 13 test centuries and legendary status, the other fresh from a single season of Good Stuff with Leicestershire. I never felt so relaxed in my
2: whole life, you know, especially sharing room with Ian Both. I mean, after night one, it was like, it was just normal to me. And he and made me, Bofur made me feel so comfortable. It made me feel part of his family and I became part of his family.
4: Well, that was the way it was on the tour. You know, Duffy, I remember uh, in Melbourne at the Hilton, Woken up by Daffy playing cricket in the corridor with Liam. Oh, and the other thing he used me, he used me as a nanny, he did. (laughs) (laughs) They used to play cricket in the morning, I didn't even know they did that. And they used to, (laughs) Liam was up and they go knock on the door and they started playing cricket. It was that kind of tour.
6: So it's time to move the cricket from Hotel Corridor to Test Match Arena. Ian Botham's 14th and final Test Match 100 would come in this opening match of the series. Some would say it's the best innings they've ever seen him play.
4: Well, in the circumstances, it's right up there. This was Brisbane, the Gabba.
6: The first Test. It's Friday the 14th of November, an overcast morning. Mike Gatting's wavering.
5: The first day was so important, I mean, we got there and I wasn't sure what we were going to do, to be perfectly honest. The Australians were obviously... The newspapers were just horrendous, I mean, ours and theirs. I mean, it was just like Australia had to turn up and that was it.
6: They turn up, they win the toss, they put England in. Not skipper
7: Alan Borders' greatest ever move. Close call, but, uh, yeah, played a lot of cricket at the Gabba and uh, I knew that, uh, yeah, that first morning would offer yeah, you know, a fair bit of swing you know, with the overhead conditions that prevailed at that time. And uh, the surface, you know, nice green grassy cover to it. But you do have to strike with the new ball. It's a real new ball wicket. Yeah, you know, I was aware of all that, but um, I was worth uh, taking the chance. Um, we just thought we'd get England in. They'd been struggling and, and, and take the high ground, you know, knocking England over early. You don't
1: often do that in test cricket,
7: Maybe in Brisbane, in Sheffield,
1: you you do a lot, but not in test matches. Didn't agree with it, but I, mean, I didn't have much to say. I was the 12th man, so I wasn't having much say in what went on. I'd, it was a part of that lack of confidence in your young players. I thought it was, a, it was a puzzling decision to send England in, but I knew what it was based on. It was, it was based on a lack of security, and hopefully you can you know, knock England over cheaply on the first day, and, and then you're into the series in a way, but it, uh, it didn't pan out like that.
6: That's Jeff Lawson, an Aussie great but 12th man,
1: why is he not playing? My particular circumstance was interesting because i just come off a a back injury where I hadn't played test cricket for about 15 months. Uh, It was a very serious injury that I may never have played again and I was battling back. You know, I bowled okay, but but nothing brilliant. Then I find myself in the 12 for the first test, which I wasn't really expecting. But having then been put in the 12, I was just as shocked to
0: be left out of the 11. Australia were bereft of fast bowlers. I'm Adam Collins, cricket writer and broadcaster. The WA attack and the Queensland attack were full of left-arm seamers. So what did Australia do? They played Bruce Reid, which made a lot of sense. Reid was the best bowler available to them at the time. But Chris Matthews made his test debut, Boo. And there was Jeff Lawson with all of his experience, both in Australia and in England against England, and overlooked initially in favour of Merv Hughes. They thought left-arm pace and sheer unadulterated hostility in Hughes would be a winning combination. It was reflective of the fact that they thought they'd found a bit of a a bit of a weakness in the england dna against left arm seam and it didn't quite play out that way the
1: experienced guy was sitting on the bench and i still remember being told oh, look uh, you're the 12th man i thought Greg Chappell, who was a selector was joking i just thought it was it was that ridiculous
6: ridiculous says jeff lawson questions certainly about the toss about the team questions for the australian skipper before the series has even begun
7: I think a fella called uh, Chris Matthews uh, came into the side. Um, he was a left armer. He'd been taking a lot of wickets at first class level. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But um, yeah, Jeff Lawson was a quality performer, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it was uh, one of those you know, slight little errors we made to, to start things off, and uh, it didn't get any better from there.
6: For as long as I can remember, I've loved the Ashes. I remember age seven being ill off school and Graham Gooch being out for naught on his debut without a moustache in 1975. I think he got a pair, actually. We would play cricket in the garden every night in the summer when my dad got home from work. I was the only son. I would always be England and my dad would always be the 1948 Invincible Australians. He absolutely loved that team. He loved Donald Bradman so much that up to about the age of 12 or 13, he'd quite often call me Bradman. Morning, Bradman. How are you doing today? I think he felt that if he called me Bradman often enough, I might just bat like him. This was Brisbane, the Gabba, the first test.
7: We just thought we'd get England in, take the high ground, knocking England over early. Didn't get any better from there.
6: But let's not get ahead of ourselves, Alan. Things start OK for you. England opener Chris Broad goes cheaply. A test match morning is so different to a state match morning. There is obviously a bigger crowd in, there is more excitement, there is more anticipation of a, of a good day ahead, even though, even though we'd lost the toss. First wicket down, it's
3: normally Gower time. Not this time. For Someone who was accused of being laid back For most of my career, I was, had seldom been as tense, nervous, worried as I was on that first morning in Brisbane. The original plan had been that I would bat three, uh, which is my appointed slot. But Mike came to me in the inner confines of the dressing room and said, well, Shall we swap round? Shall I go three, you go five?
5: I just sort of called hold of him uh, that morning and said, look, David, uh, I want to bat three if that's OK with you and you can bat five. And he said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, David, you know, yeah, OK, fine. If that's what you want to do, not a problem. And I have to say, you know,
3: normally speaking, I'd have probably said, hang on a second, three is my spot, leave it to me, I'll be fine. But because of the the lack of confidence and the, you know, the way that previous month had gone, I said, actually, yeah, it sounds like a very good idea. Thank you very much. Much appreciate it. And, you know, and we, Mike and I knew each other very well from this, well, the previous two or three winters tours, the previous two or three summers. Uh, him as my vice captain, that sort of thing. So we, we understood each other pretty well. And actually, it was a very
5: good move. So Mike went through. And we managed to get through it. It was an important morning. We battled hard. Ath battled hard. And we got through it reasonably well. I got out, sadly, bad time. I got out for 60 or so, I think. Ath was still going. And Lammy... Was in when uh, we had to come off a rain and it, it sort of chucked it down.
6: The Ath we're hearing about, one of the unsung England heroes, Gloucestershire's Bill Athie, opening in the absence of Graham Gooch. He's 76, not out overnight. And he stays 76. Day two begins with the inevitable Australia fight back
5: the following morning we went out there, I think we are about 220 for three, in a really you know decent position. To get 400 there first innings is always a good thing, and I thought, you know, with the guys we got left in, people in, we'd be all right. Anyway, we lost two in two almost, um, in that first morning. And of course, Sue strolled out, D.I. Gower. Gower,
3: My passport says I'm David Gower.
5: And IT I.T. Botham.
3: Beefy is here, and he's doing a podcast.
5: I think the scene was set from there on in.
7: You know, both of them turns up, and when uh, things are the most dire, that's when he produces his best cricket. You know, if, if England had been, um, you know, four for three hundred and twenty, you know, he probably would dong one straight up in the air. But um, the game was nicely poised, and he just came out there and played that swashbuckling type innings that he is famous for. Unfortunately, mainly against us.
6: But he's cautious initially. Gower at the other end makes a scratchy fifty.
3: It was a nervy start, I've got to confess that. There was a drop at the usual in the usual area, probably called slip, I think it was. It went quickly, I'll give it that. I gave it a chance because it went quickly, but on another day, it could have been snaffled, that could have been the, you know, the worst possible start of the Test Series. But I got 50. When you get a, you know, a bit of a score like that, then the world starts to be a better place. It's the Queensland calm before a sunshine
6: coast storm. Suddenly a flurry of wickets, Gower gone, Richard's gone, Embry gone, calling Philip de Freitas. On debut, time to get the roommates together.
2: This is my hero who's batting and I'm walking out to go and bat for England. So this is my first moment of you know, playing for England. And I'm walking out and I promise you, I was so nervous. I was so nervous and then I walked out and I'm thinking I'm walking out to bat in an Ashes Test match with my roommate and my hero and it says things couldn't get any better. It's like a dream, you dream about these things, you know, you're you know you, your you're hero, you, you're playing in an Ashes match you're going out to bat. And I walked out and, and I just, and I, I must have been sort of gone like that. And, and you know, both of them just says, well, oh, you know, just, just watch the ball. And, you know, I remember first, my first ball off Merv used, um, you know, Merv said something to me. And both of them turned around and said, don't worry, I'll him out. sort him out. For the next hour and a half, two hours, I stood at the other end and watched one of the most amazing innings I've ever seen. I've ever seen.
1: Well, beefy was beefy, wasn't he?
2: It was like, I was just amazed. I was just amazed and then suddenly, you know, you realize what a great cricketer this guy is and
4: I was just in awe of him. Yeah, no, I said, that. I said, I said I'm gonna have some fun. Words I used. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Pretty much the same as I said back in 81 to Grand Dilley.
1: He played his shots, you know, he he was super confident. He took advantage of that inexperienced attack and Beefy played another one of those match-turning innings.
2: Just the privilege to be there, batting with him and just being on the same field as Ian Beaufort. It made you feel that, it
5: made you feel special. Beefy started to then decide that he had to do something. Second new ball was coming and that's when he decided to, to take off.
0: The way that both of them played through the 90s, the way that he reached 99 with an emphatic slap down the ground. That changed it all for us.
4: Yeah, it got, got to 100, and then they
0: took the new ball, and then the onslaught started. Bringing up three figures, striking Murphy's for 22 runs off and over.
1: Murph's playing second test, and he's going up against one of the most aggressive players in, in world cricket. Murphy took me on, and he came on second. The one he did pitch up and he decapitated
0: him as he went past him. They went short and short and short again. That was plan A for Merv Hughes when both of them got going. Just incredible how suddenly the ball
4: was just going to all places. Look, if you get yourself in and when the new ball comes, it's harder, it bounces more, but you hit it, it goes further.
0: It was Botham's willingness to walk out there with the blonde mullet. No helmet, of course no helmet, let alone a cap.
2: I can remember, I remember, you know, sort of falling that way and I'm thinking, he's not wearing a helmet. Look, I didn't
4: like helmets. I never liked batting helmets. Took on the bounce suit. And just hooked at everything. Funnily enough, I got hit in the head more times with the helmet on than I ever did in my entire career. I mean, it was almost the perfect
0: conditions for both them to thrive. Basically, allayed our fears that these people are much better than us. Yes, taking risks, but they were calculated risks. In the circumstances, that's going to be one of his best ever innings. I mean, it was just a phenomenally great innings. Well, in the circumstances, it's
4: right up there. It's right up there.
5: And that's when it sort of went from being a goodish score to being a fantastic score and a score where we had a very good chance of actually making sure we won the Test match.
6: When you think about this innings in Brisbane, so he'd had the Ashes in 81, he played in the Ashes in 85 when David Gow was captain and dominated, then he had his ban in the summer of 86, and then he comes back into the team, can't bat, can't bowl, can't field, England are written off, and in the space of a few hours on the second day, the second day of a five-test series, Botham's innings completely moves the needle on the 86-87 Ashes series. And suddenly from a team, a load of oh, rubbish, you're going to get beaten, mate. The Australians are on the back foot. They get beaten in the first test. England hold the Ashes, remember, so Australia have to win the series. So they've got to win at least two of the next four tests to reclaim the Ashes. Both of them's innings, not out of nowhere, because we'd seen them do it before, but certainly incredible given that he'd been banned earlier in the summer and had only come back into the team for the last test at the Oval, was just astonishing, and the way it completely set the tone for what was to come. Everyone's in shock, but watching quietly on the dressing room balcony is team manager Mickey Stewart.
3: He will will always enjoy competing against the very best, and... um, He had good mates in Australia, he he had good mates in the Australian side, but directly there was any competition going on, Um, Both was looking 100% to win everything. Um, He didn't like running, the only way I got him to get knackered in in preparation was to play five-a-side, because he wouldn't leave the pitch until his side were winning, and um, (laughs) so he used to finish up knackered. Stunned by Botham's brilliance,
6: Australia are following on before the close of day three. The bowling is fantastic. Graham Dilley takes five wickets in the first innings, John Embry five in the second. Jack Richards is playing his part behind the stumps, also on debut. It's an extraordinary statement, so early in the series, slated for Aussie dominance. England wrap up a seven-wicket victory early on day five. The tourists. A rabble and ramshackle in the build-up, a one-up in the series. A quiet smile for captains past and present, David Gower
3: and Mike Gatting. From the start of that first test, a good first day in Brisbane, and Brisbane, even in those days, was seen as a place where you you could get it wrong. Uh, We'd got it wrong in the state game, so if you get it wrong against Australia in the first test match, that sets a pattern, a very dangerous pattern, a very dangerous precedent. So winning in Brisbane was vital. And
5: the fact we won it quite comfortably was important. Yes, it was important. Uh, it was important for the team because you know, England Australia matches have a have a tendency with low scores you're chasing to be uh, quite tricky at times. It was important for us that we won well because we got ourselves into a great position because it was a it was a mauling. It was a mauling for Australia. It really was.
6: A mauling for Australia. A mauling for skipper Alan Border.
7: Yeah, that particular match, you know, really irked me because I, I honestly thought we had a you know a good group of young blokes together. Everyone had been in reasonable sort of touch in the in the lead-up, you know, Sheffield Shield matches, and England had been struggling. It, it just hurt a little bit more than you know the previous couple of years of you know dismal performances. Yeah, you know, I just thought we'd, we'd turn the corner, but it uh, wasn't to be.
4: Once we'd won that Test match in Brisbane, all the pressure was shifted from us. If there was any real pressure on us, it was shifted straight to the Australian dressing room and. Uh, I remember AB fuming at a press interview that he had to do and he wasn't happy with the questions. And, you know, the Australians can be quite basic and straight to the point, which maybe why I like it. They just shoot from the hip and uh, he was in the firing line.
7: Oh, obviously disappointed to go 1-0 down in a, in a home series. You want to, you know, that it's it's quite critical uh, at times, you know, that first Test match. You can set the momentum for the rest of the series, can't it, as we've seen in subsequent series. you know, And it's always hard to sort of play catch-up the mindset was oh, disappointed with the first test, but you know that's gone. We've still got four test matches to play. We're going to Perth, which is traditionally a, you know a good ground for Australian teams because visiting teams have, have struggled there with the extra bounce. So, yeah, sort of a positive mindset, I'd have to say, uh, going into that game.
4: At the end of the day, it was a collectively a very good team performance. I'm just thinking back to the bowling, everyone everyone chipped in. Also psychologically, it made a big difference. You know, the momentum was, which is not really a word I like to use too often, but the momentum was with us. It was the other side that were trying to mend bridges. We were actually sailing down
6: the river. Next stop, Perth, then on to Adelaide. Test two and three see new heroes. I just go out there and play. I've had a catch, I've had a stumping. I just have to score a run. Old failings. If we don't pass this follow-on, we're in serious strife. Great traditions.
4: It was certainly a very, very good
1: day out. And, yeah, i mean, in carnage.
6: Inside the Tour, The Ashes is presented by Mark Pugach. Original music and sound design by Lee Sperry. Additional music, Dan Compton. Produced by Jonathan Overend at 94.19 for Audi.